Hey, what's going on, friends and fans of the podcast? Ryan Dorn here. Thanks so much. We've got a great show ahead. We've got a question from Gina in Laredo asking about customers that just are not wanting to sign longer term contracts. Got you on that one, Gina. I'm with you there. Got an answer for you. Uh, Barry in Detroit asking about these customers, these clients, advertisers that keep dragging their feet. Uh, Barry, we've got an answer for you. Mike and I are going to put our heads together on that. And then a clarification for my friend Kimberly in New York. She says, hey, why are you guys so against texting people? (laughs) Hey, Kimberly, we're not against texting, folks. We just want to live within a good set of what we feel might be professional uh, standards. All right. Also, we've got Charity Huff from January Spring, and we're going to pull back the curtains, lift up the hood on the programmatic engine, and we're going to dig in on sharing some secrets of what media companies are doing to make a bunch of money, how they're selling it. And we're going to spend quite a bit of time and really dig in on that today. So I think you're going to like that. And then me, myself, and I, I'm going to talk about the marketing bump and the buying bump. Hey, friends, there's a buying bump that's just around the corner. Are your advertisers ready? Are you ready? Is everybody ready? That's all coming up next, friends, on the Ad Sales Nation podcast. Here we go. From the Brainswell Media Studios, welcome to Ad Sales Nation with your host, Ryan Dorn. Each month, Ryan digs deep on the issues and challenges facing media salespeople like you every day. Ryan is a 28-year media veteran, an Emmy winner, a sales coach, and he still sells media every day just like you. Now, your host, your coach, your fellow media sales warrior, Ryan Dorn. Awesome, Deborah. Thanks so much for that awesome, awesome opening. <laughs> Every time I hear um, that opening, as I'm listening back to the show, I'm always like, man, that sounds really good. And uh, those of you that know me well know that I am not an egomaniac. I I mean, I absolutely love what I do. And I just can't express to you enough my sincere thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We had 7,900 some odd downloads of the podcast uh, over the last two months. And um, we took a little bit of break uh, there just to try to get a few things in order because I have some news for all of you. You're hearing it here uh, first. Um, You know, for the last 15 years, I've had the opportunity to speak at an amazing media conference called the Super Niche Media Conference. And there's an amazing guy out of Sacramento, California. His name is Carl Landau. And he's got a podcast now called I Used to Be Somebody. So make sure you go and check that out. Anyway, for 15 years, uh, Carl has been putting on Camp Niche, which is ad sales training, the Super Niche Conference uh, for folks just like all of us in the media business. And then he's also uh, been doing the CEO Summit. Well, I had the opportunity um, a couple months ago to purchase the Niche Media Conferences from a great guy um, out of St. Louis. His name is Matt Cohen. And Matt Um, also is uh, the owner of St. Louis Magazine, which is amazing as well. And so thank you, Matt, for uh, that opportunity to take over niche and keep that niche tradition alive. So um, and thanks, Carl, for bringing us 15 years into this. So after 15 years of speaking, I'm now get to be the owner of the Super Niche Media Conference, which is just really amazing for me. And we're going to be back to our our first live event since COVID, uh, September 14 through 16 in Denver. And so I hope that you'll join us there. So head over to nichemediaevents.com, nichemediaevents.com. And at the end of the podcast, I'm going to have a super special, super niche offer for all of you. So right after we talk to Mike Obert, I'm going to give you a promo code that's going to save you 
big money. When I say big money, I mean big money. So be sure to listen to the whole podcast. And uh, hopefully, friends, uh, especially if you're in the newspaper magazine niche media business, we'll see you at Super Niche September 14 through 16 in Denver. NicheMediaEvents.com. So, all right. So we've got charity coming up. We've got Mike answering listener questions. But this is where I want to focus uh, this month. And it's all about the buying bump. So I'm going to look over at my little whiteboard here, my, my cheat sheet. In the consumer space, experts are predicting, uh, whether it's Accenture or McKinsey, there's a lot of folks that do buying studies. Experts are saying within the next uh, 30 to 90 days, we're going to see uh, a 40-some-odd percent increase in the consumer space in terms of buying, buying patterns, increasing people making uh, decisions in the B2B space. It's going to be as much as 35%. I like to call it the buying bump. Now, you've got the marketing bump. You've got the buying bump. They're both two things we've talked about. The buying bump, not as much. Okay, the marketing bump. The marketing bump is the beautiful reality that if an advertiser will pay attention, (laughs) that'd be great, right? If an advertiser will pay attention, if they will run an ad 10 times at a minimum, 10 times in three different medias, over a 30-day period of time, that's kind of the minimum, if you will, the minimum bar. If they'll follow that pattern, a minimum every 30 days, they'll get a marketing bump that they can replicate, which is great. Now, you can find that research. Nielsen does those kind of re- that research and some others. Okay, that's the marketing bump. What's the buying bump? All research points to a buying bump that is set to occur as more and more folks get vaccinated. So what we're seeing is citizens getting back to some level of normalcy out there, um, signaling that many buying habits will soon come back into some level of play. Yet most of our advertisers are still throwing us kind of that same old COVID-based objection, like, hey, um, I'm going to wait till everybody's vaccinated or COVID has killed me. I don't have any extra money or my budget's all spent or we're delayed on our budget because of, of the pandemic. So I'm asking myself this. I mean, do they really not want to get back to business? I, I just don't understand why it's so hard for them to grasp that advertising starts the process to get customers back in the door, whether it's consumer or B2B, whatever it is you're selling. I believe that businesses and business owners are suffering from some sort of like a PTSD, so to speak, over the massive shock to their businesses that the COVID pandemic dealt them over the last months. Now, let me be real clear on that. I recognize what PTSD is. I'm not making light of it as it relates to uh, people in their, in their lives or their experiences. I'm just saying it's, it's bad. Advertisers are shocked right now. They're like, they're living in post pandemic shock and we've got to help them get, uh, get help. We've got to help them get back to business. I think really the first step is really to understand these advertisers in some vivid detail. So as a media sales rep myself, I have the chance to speak to advertisers every single day, just like all of you. I also have a really unique opportunity to coach media sales reps uh, around the globe, not just in the U.S. I've got a great uh, colleague, Sarah, in Singapore, uh, Peter and his team in Australia, uh, John and his colleagues in, in Toronto, and of course, all the fine folks in the United States. What I'm hearing is they're all reporting a distinct change in their advertisers' behaviors over the last 12 months. So for the last three years, I've shared this with you before, every Friday, I ask a group of my coaching clients to answer this multiple choice question. What type of advertiser attitude did you come across last week? So the response options have been, 
either one, advertisers making ego-driven decisions, or number two, advertisers making logical-based decisions as it relates to ads, or three, advertisers making decisions based strictly on emotion. Well, some of you have heard me report on this before. The numbers are changing. This past week when I asked the question, 5% of media reps reported that they met with ego-driven individuals. Um, 9%, so down 9% rather, from 2020, logical buyers represented 21% of the ad buyers out there, advertisers out there. And then up 9% to 74%, so still really high, are those folks that are emotional buyers. So the vast majority of advertisers we're going to deal with this month are going to be highly emotional. So 74% of media sales warriors I'm regularly coaching, people just like you, are reporting that their advertising buyers are really super emotional. So this doesn't mean that they don't use any logic in the process of making decisions, but they're showing us that they're very emotional in the way that they're buying. So when we have this knowledge in hand, we have to change how we sell media to be successful. So let me give you some thoughts on that. So number one, emotional buyers don't respond well to data and stats. They just don't. So if you're a data and stats kind of seller, you'll find your best success in selling with advertiser success stories. I feel like I'm beating the proverbial you know, drum, boom, 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 over and over again. Friends, stop selling with data and stats. You know, quite unless you're dealing with engineers, quite honestly, advertiser success stories, that's where it's at. Okay. Number two, do not ask the standard questions that you've been asking for years. What the post-pandemic selling strategy is telling me and what I'm putting together is that people don't want to hear the same thing they heard before COVID devastated our country or our countries. They want you to come to them with fresh questions, new ideas. So I like to ask things like this. Tell me about a business or tell me about a company that you feel does a great job of marketing. Now, unless they say, well, nobody, <laughs> they'll usually tell you somebody you can springboard off of that. Again, though, it goes back to advertiser success stories. Number three, I don't feel in a post-pandemic selling world, whatever that means, by the way, I don't feel like you're going to be able to battle with people on traditional versus digital, that argument of traditional versus digital. Instead, my thought is, let's just focus and talk about multimedia. Speak to five or six things that other business owners, companies are doing to win out there, traditional and digital. I call it the marketing trifecta or the marketing triangle. So if you put your fingers up in a, in a triangle, do it with me, class. Here we go. You got on one side, traditional media. On the other side, you've got digital. And then on the third side, you've got social. Now, there's other things like events and things like that. Uh, right now, as we're recording this, I've got an event coming up in September. <laughs> so we're probably not worried about events in terms of our advertiser participation right now. Maybe virtual events. But that would truly fall into that digital equation. Separate digital and social. So traditional, digital, social. Those are the three components. I just, I'm tired of arguing with people and it's not fruitful to argue about digital versus traditional. Just show them what other advertisers are doing. Other advertisers are doing this to be successful. Now, it leads me though to the fourth point and that's talking about minimums. There is a minimum spend level to be successful with your magazine, your radio, your newspaper, your TV, whatever it is that you sell. There's a minimum. And what happens is advertisers always want to come in below the minimum. They want to spend as little as possible. I get it. 
I've got like six businesses now. <laughs> I get it. And I want to spend as little as possible for the most amazing result. But friends, there's a minimum. Let me give you an example. I recently launched a campaign on LinkedIn. Well, I talked to one of the experts at LinkedIn and I said, hey, kind of, you know, what do I need to do to be successful? And she said, your minimum spend is going to be probably 500 every two weeks. And I said, if I go below that, what do you, what, what's going to happen? She's like, it, it, it's not that it's not going to work, but what I notice with all of my customers is that the minimum is kind of 500. I said, well, what about the people knocking the ball out of the park? What about those people? And she's like, well, I mean, if you can afford it, she said, if you did $1,500 every two weeks, I mean, you're talking about really knocking the ball out of the park. So the minimum is 500 every two weeks to knock the ball out of the park so that to be dominant, be like 1500 every two weeks. So I'm like, hey, let's arrive somewhere in the middle, maybe around a 750 every two weeks. How would that play out? And she said, I think that would be really great. And so far, so good. So remember, present competitive dominant. For me to be present was going to be 500 every two weeks. For me to be competitive, 750-ish, something like that, every two weeks. To be dominant, 1,500 every two weeks. So you want to talk about minimums with your advertisers. You know, um, there's a guy named Kevin James, works for Mosier Media out of Texas. And he said something that I'll never forget. When an advertiser wants to go below a minimum, he always says this, I'd rather turn you down than let you down. I'd rather turn you down than let you down. And I love that. And uh, Kevin, by the way, there you go. You got a shout out. Um, and so does our friends, uh, Jim Mosier and the folks at, at Mosier Media down in Texas. All right, number five, I want to come with ideas ready to roll. You know, I'm, I'm not going to talk about this hardly anymore because I'm tired of talking about it. All of you people that think you can't come with, to a meeting with ideas ready to go. I'm just going to beat you. We're just going to beat you. My clients are going to beat you. Your competitors are going to beat you. You got to stop this whole, well, you know, um, I can't I can't come up with ideas until I meet with a client. Come on, you're a media advisor. Come with ideas ready to go. Here's what the stats tell us. Sorry if that came across as being snarky, by the way. <laughs> you're 70% more likely to close business when you recommend stuff. So get ready to recommend. I mean, I think that's really, really vividly, vividly important. All right, sixth thing to think about. In a time of crisis... Truly, friends, most people want to be led, okay? In a time of crisis, most people want to be led. So when you think about that, you've really got to figure out what can I do to be the very best leader possible to my advertisers, lead them, which goes back to point five about recommending things. People love recommendations. That's why when you go to a really nice restaurant and you ask the server, hey, what would you recommend? They're like, oh, I'd recommend this. What would the chef recommend? They'd recommend this. People love recommendations. They just do. Now, let me be clear. I mean, listen to your customers, obviously, but don't be afraid to recommend things. Don't be afraid to lead your customers towards the promised land, towards success. Here's what happened, friends. So if you're checking your email or whatever, stop for a second and, and, and pay attention to good old Uncle Ryan here. We've been taught over the course of time you need to give advertisers what they want. Okay, I agree with that to a certain extent. But if you only give them what they want, like asking them, what are your needs? What are your goals? What are your desires? That drives what they want. What I need to do as a media advisor is guide them towards what they need to do. Because if we give them what they want, they're going to be happy for a shorter period of time than when we actually guide them towards what they need to do to be successful. All right, seventh thing that I've noted 
is that social media is great. I love social. We're going to talk about programmatic and social here in a minute with, with charity, but social media is not the single answer to marketing. It's very simple to explain. If Coke or Tide could get away with only doing social media, they would do it because their shareholders would be way, way happier if they didn't spend so much money and could reduce expenses. Social media is not the single answer. It's a piece of the puzzle, but it's not the single answer to everything happening out there. Also with Facebook, so important to recognize, I'm a Facebook shareholder. Hasn't made me much money, but I am a shareholder. And what I hear all the time is is this. I mean, competing on Facebook is really, really tough. You got to spend some pretty good money to stand out from the crowd, you know, on Facebook. Okay, the eighth thing that I made note of, and we mentioned a little bit earlier, digital and social are different. Now, technically, are they both digital? Yeah, of course. But digital and social are, are different. They're handled differently. So make sure your advertisers don't lump the two of them into the same thing, Digi- in the same pool of money. Digital and social really do need to be, to be different. Okay, now, number nine is something I, wanted, I made a note of I want to talk to you about, and it's going to be brief. Traditional media is a dominating play. It just is. Because not everybody can afford print, radio, etc. Every business does social. Not every business does traditional. What's interesting, for those of you who sell traditional media, like me, is that we're seeing in almost all of our research that one of the best drivers of social media activity search, from you know, like Google, etc., comes from traditional media sources. I mean, look no further than the National Newspaper Association, um, the genius of, of data, you know, Gordon Burrell, the Association of Magazine Media. They all have facts to back this up. Traditional media drives digital. Super important. So think that through. All right. The 10th thing, and last but not least, is you got to do it. You got to get out there and do something different. Sell that marketing triangle of success. Sell the marketing trifecta. Don't be afraid to get in front of those clients and talk about the buying bump that's going to occur because advertising isn't instantaneous, friends. It never has been. It's never going to be. You know, as people say, well, you know, I get likes on my Facebook page. Okay, a like is like a honk from a car. It's like beep, beep. You're driving by and you see your friend out there in the front yard mowing your grass. Beep, beep. That's what a like is like. It's like a honk. Beep, beep. A like is meaningless as it relates to a conversion to a sale. Beep, beep. Hey, how you doing, buddy? Beep, beep. That's what a like is like. Like is not an accurate depiction of the effectiveness of an advertising campaign, nor is a heart or something like that over on Insta. Just friends, you've got to recognize that we've got to get out in front of these folks and help them understand that if they want business in 30 days, they've got to advertise now. Now, if you're selling a Ginsu knife, a Thighmaster, a George Foreman grill, but wait, there's more. Well, maybe then it would work that way. But for most of our customers, you got to get ahead. So if the buying bump is coming, let's talk about it. Let's get ahead. Advertisers, let's get ahead of the buying bump so that when people are ready to buy, you're the first person they think of. Let's end with this and we'll get on with the show. If marketing was as simple as social media, that's what everybody would do. Don't forget that. Make sure you're sharing with amazing advertiser success stories so unbelievably important but then just recognize that we have an obligation as media advisors to help our advertisers recognize that if they want to see the marketing bump and the buying bump become a reality they've got to start now 
because marketing is different than magic. Marketing takes time to work and it's an investment as well. The buying bump. Friends, it's real. It's happening. It's coming. Listen back to the podcast 50 times if you would, just to make sure you recognize how to put all 10 of those steps or those thoughts into action. All right, I'd be a pretty terrible sales coach and sales advisor if I didn't have some pod, uh, podcast sponsors. So we're going to listen to those guys for about 30 seconds. And then we're going to be back with Charity Huff. And she and I are going to spend 10 minutes. We're going to go under the hood of programmatic. We're going to talk about what other companies are doing to make big money. And then we'll have Mike Obert from Open Look. He's going to jump into the studio here with me. And we're going to answer uh, your listener questions. And there's uh, some really good ones. Gina from Laredo, Texas. Uh, asking about uh, wanting to get longer-term contracts. Barry in Detroit has got clients that are dragging their feet. And then Kimberly in New York, I hope you're listening, because she asked this question, why are you guys so against texting prospects? (laughs) And we're not against it. We just have some different ways that we're going to be talking about it and thinking about it. All right, that's all straight ahead, friends. Stick around, stay close. Here's some sponsors for 30 seconds, and we will be right back. The Ad Sales Nation podcast with Ryan Dorn is brought to you in part by the strategy and design team at Web Publisher Pro. When it's time for your media company to have a top-notch website that is designed for optimal revenue potential, turn to David and the creative team at Web Publisher Pro. Learn more online at webpublisherpro.com. Thank you to the team over at OpenLook Business Solutions. Outsource sales tasks, data cleanup, telemarketing, design tasks, or hire a virtual assistant. Reach out to Mike at open-look.com. That's open-look.com. Thank you to the fine folks at January Spring. If you are looking to grow revenue by offering white-label digital services like SEO, social media, or programmatic ads, reach out to Charity over at JanuarySpring.com. Charity loves to strategize about growing revenue. You sell it and January Spring fulfills it. Learn more online at JanuarySpring.com. Okay, now back to the show. Here's your sales coach, Ryan Dorn. All right, friends and fans, we are talking digital ad sales strategy with my friend Charity Huff from January Spring. And uh, Charity, the good news that I'm seeing on the horizon is that the digital stuff we're doing continues to be um, really, really hot. And I'm wondering, uh, I'd love to chat with you about maybe three or four secrets that your clients are, uh, you know, kind of what they're doing to be real successful out there with in programmatic land is it um do you think it, is it a training thing is it people that are better trained sell more of it what do you think is kind of the secret there yeah you know what i think there's a couple of things and i will tell you that across the board our publishers who are investing in their teams are seeing the quickest growth. We have publishers that are growing 10 plus percent a month in digital, and they're adding in new clients and true new business by going after digital first clients and then pulling print through and then doing a better job of um, selling true multimedia. But we have really upped our training game with our partners. So we've always had the um, onboarding process where we teach a sales team digital, but we teach it like as a salesperson, how to incorporate it into your pitch, how to do your needs analysis where you're teasing out what the digital budget is, what the opportunity is, really focusing on audience. And all of that, we're also then layering in more specialty training, like how to pitch 
specifically paid social, how to pitch SEO, how to pitch targeted e-blasts on top of just being able to talk to like the full gamut of um, a business's marketing budget. And I do think that makes a difference. It really does. And it's good, it's good for me being in the training business um, right? to hear to talk about training, right? Yeah. But what's interesting, I'd love to give this suggestion to everybody. A lot of times when you talk about training, whether it's CRM training, um, whether it's programmatic training, everybody tries to do way too much in a super short period of time. So one of the things, especially if you've got a staff, let's just say that's been selling a while, more veteran sellers, what I would suggest you guys do is you say, okay, today we're going to talk about geofencing. And yep. that's what we're going to talk about today. And that's all we talk about today. Then, for example, the next day might be on audience curation. Let's talk about that today and really focus in on it. What's interesting is it doesn't necessarily cost that much more money. It's just a way to refocus the training smaller segments for longer periods of time. I feel like a lot of people don't do well with fire hose training Yet that's what a lot of publishers and media company owners want. Like, turn on the fire hose. They can take it. I like it a little more bite-sized chunks. What are your thoughts on that? A hundred percent. And that's exactly what we do. You know, we usually get an hour a week with each of our sales teams. And we break that hour into looking at the now, like what's your pipeline, what campaigns are being managed, how are those going? And then we do 20, 30 minutes of training on a very specific segment of digital. And it does work better that way. Yeah, especially when you've got teams that are a little more veteran sellers. Here's the interesting point though. You can't just think to yourself, well, I've got some youngsters on my team. They'll be able to wrap their head around it because they grew up on Facebook since the womb. It, it's it's not necessarily, that's not necessarily the case. The veteran seller brings a whole nother list of experience of you know to the right. equation. So they can say, hey, this isn't just a one trick pony kind of thing. Now, what we teach, I know you teach this as well, is sort of the triangle approach to buying media. There's typically three sides to it. A traditional side, we want to pitch that, obviously. You've got the digital side where programmatic, e-newsletters, that kind of stuff sits. And then I actually put social on a different side because, in my opinion, we're seeing, a you know, unless you help people with their social... <laughs> Social media, friends, is only free if your time's worth nothing. Most of your customers <laughs> don't put the time into social that they need. I personally like to break it out a little bit because the digital spend should be greater than the social spend. The traditional spend is going to be more because we have to curate that audience. We have to take care of subscription fulfillment and stuff. But we kind of use that triangle approach and it seems to work well. I know you do as well, Charity. Are you seeing good results with that? Yeah, and we do use uh, a very similar approach. And I'm sure um, having seen your training that that's influenced uh, my team and how we coach our sales teams. We want print and the core offering of our publishers to be front and center. Because like you said, it's a curated audience, deeply loyal audience, and that brand affiliation for businesses is really important then you need to be able to do the same thing in digital. And so, you, like you said, we use a combination of programmatic search, sometimes a targeted e-blast, those types of products. And then I do like having social kind of standalone because it is typically different budgets right. than what you get with the other two. And um, 
all of the changes that are happening with Facebook is making it really hard for individual business owners and advertisers to do a very good job of targeting inside of Facebook. We've written a ton about this on our January spring blog. And so I think that's going to be the big shift in the second half of this year is we're going to see more of our publisher partners who are acting like agencies win more of that social budget. Yeah, for sure. So hopefully, friends, the big takeaways today, a lot of it's on training and the other pieces, maybe on selling that sales triangle uh, as well. And just recognizing that if successful businesses could get away with only doing digital, that's what they would do. And the national players out there, they buy a little bit of both. They dabble kind of everywhere. They're smart uh, about it as well. Well, Charity, I know that, um, you know, you love to uh, strategize with folks. And uh, so I'll send them over to JanuarySpring.com, friends, is where you'll uh, find that information. And check out uh, the blog there as well. You guys share uh, a lot of great uh, information. And, um, and Charity, I'm looking forward to um, seeing you at the Super Niche Conference that's going to be in September in your hometown. I cannot wait. Uh, September in Colorado is magical. The aspen leaves are changing. <laughs> it's warm during the day. The sunsets are gorgeous. It'll be really fun to show off our beautiful city. Yeah, so I know you're going to be sharing some case studies, etc., at that Super Niche conference. So if you don't know about that, friends, uh, Super Niche is the largest media conference of its kind for niche publishers, um, newspapers, magazines, etc., September 14 through 16 out in a charity's backyard in Denver, Colorado. So uh, be sure to Google that nichemediaevents.com to, to check that out. All right, Charity. Well, thanks so much for sharing some expertise and uh, hopefully some folks will reach out uh, to you, januaryspring.com uh, in an effort to strategize and uh, grow some revenue. Thanks so much. All right, friends and fans. As you know, one of my favorite parts of the podcast every single month is when we dial in Mike Obert from Open Look Business Solutions down in Texas. And we answer uh, questions, your listener questions, send in to Ryan at RyanDorn.com, D-O-H-R-N. Don't forget about that H in there, Mike. Ryan at RyanDorn.com. <laughs> I never uh, forget about the H. <laughs> it uh, seems like weather, the weather's warming up and um, people are getting back to some level of uh, normalcy uh, down your direction. It seems like. How are things going in, uh, in, in Texas? In Texas, man, we're open. It feels like things are uh, getting back to normal for sure. Uh, people are getting vaccinated and uh, baseball's back. It's warming up uh, flowers and yeah, things are good. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, be safe out there, friends. Don't forget face to face to face meetings are a, a true reality and we're moving away from Zoom and all that back to face to face meetings. So be safe out there. Um, all right. Three questions. We've got uh, Gina in Laredo. Oh, Laredo, Laredo, Texas, Laredo. Um, Barry in Detroit and Kimberly in New York. Um, and so let's kick things off with Gina in Laredo's question. She says, hey, Ryan and Mike, love the podcast. Thanks, Gina. Um, I'm now hearing that clients are worried about signing deals that are not over six months. They only want six month deals. Anything I can do to encourage them to get the year long contract. I'm sure you run into that too, uh, Mike, because besides open look, you're a publisher uh, as am. well. What are some Absolutely. things you guys do at your publishing company to try to encourage people to longer contracts? I, um, in, uh, back in the day, people talking about short rates and all that kind of stuff. I will encourage my advertisers to sign up for the year, but they can cancel at any time. Um, you know, I don't want to be that guy that, that holds them, you know, down if something's going wrong with their business or something's not right, you know, I have no problem letting somebody out of the contract. So I just want to make sure that I'm a friendly salesperson 
have that relationship. Hey, go ahead and sign up for your, if you want to cancel after six months, that's fine with me. Uh, that's kind of the way that I've overcome that objection. Now it makes sense. The other thing too, Gina, is that I've observed a lot of times salespeople and publishers don't do a good job of explaining what your discounts actually mean. So when you're proposing to somebody a, a year long deal and you say, if you sign up for the year, it saves you 20%. And by the way, because we have people outside of media that listen to the podcast as well, all of us, uh, especially if you're in like a SaaS software environment or something like that, we're all doing things based on subscriptions or long-term contracts, right? Well, you might offer a 20% discount, but what does that actually mean? 20% means what? So Gina, one of the things that you might want to do is make sure that your discounts are explained in dollars. Make sure you're explaining what the dollar means to that customer, because a lot of times they see, oh, 20%, that's not that much. Well, on a $100,000 deal, 20% is you know pretty good, pretty good savings. Right. The other thing is, I like to say, if you lock in for 12 months, you get access to extra stuff. So when you really commit to us, then we really commit to you. And there's all kinds of extra things that you might get. Let me just give you an example. At our company, if you lock in for a year, you get access to all of my training videos at absolutely no cost. That saves somebody three or $4,000 a year. So any new hire that they get, they get access to those new hires, get access to, oh, I don't know what it is, eight, 10 hours of video training so they can use an onboarding. But if you're not an annual customer, if you're only a two-month customer, you don't get access to it for free. And I try to make sure, again, that's a three or $4,000 value. So, Gina, the yeah. other thing you can do is just try to, you know, kind of translate that out of, you know, kind of what does it mean in, in a dollar value. What else yeah, on that one, Mike? Go ahead. Yeah, those those value adds are, are very important. And, yeah, I totally agree. And also, you know, if, if there's any type of – content or editorial that you can help people with that are, uh, you know, long-term advertisers. You know, that's one thing I always say is that our editor is always going to look at people that are longtime customers that have right. year-long contracts and, you know, they're probably going to get a little bit more love. Right. Um, I have one uh, media group that for every three months you advertise, you get another company profile. Um, and so then if you advertise for three months, you get one company profile if you advertise for six, you get two and so on and so forth. Um, so I think that's, you know, that can be an important piece as well. So Gina, just think about those incentives. Remember now, friends, though, if you offer things at zero, like zero value, I mean, you put a zero on the proposal, that's what they value it at, a zero. So at least always make sure that you give them the value. Okay, cool. All right, so good luck on that, Gina, in Laredo. I'm Laredo, imagining, Texas. I'm imagining that's Laredo, Texas, yeah. <laughs> it's um, got to be. Yeah, got to be. I don't know. There's probably another Laredo somewhere. Um, like, you know, there's Las Vegas in New Mexico as well as in good Nevada point. as well. And there's a Dallas, Georgia, and a Dallas, Texas. Oh, there you go. is there a Dallas, Georgia? I didn't know that. Okay, cool. Right. Let's look it up. All right, uh, Barry in Detroit asked this question of us, Mike. What do we do about clients that keep dragging on their budget approval process? Do you mind if I kick this one off? Mike? No, yeah, go for it. Okay. Go for it. So just like we just were talking with Gina, I typically tie incentives to some type of time-based mechanism. So as an example, if you sign by January 1, you get three these three additional things. If you sign by this particular date, you get these three additional things. If you don't, you lose these things. So you create potential incentives for people to sign and you create incentives or disincentives 
if people are dragging their feet a little bit too long. That could be one approach for you, Barry. Depends on how your company is set up and exactly what it is that you're, you know, that you're selling. The other thing is the fear of missing out. FOMO is real. And so that is, I'm always reaching out saying, hey, I can't give you a lot of details, but we're getting insertion orders in from so-and-so and such and such. And, you know, you were just, we're getting things, things are happening. So I'm concerned that you guys, you know, haven't signed your contract. So try to make them feel like, hey, others are moving forward and, and you're not. Now you want to be ethical yeah. about that, you know, in your, in your approach uh, as right. well. And the other thing is be authentic and be real with people. Yes. Just be real with them, you know, um, just say, hey, here's the situation. This is what's going on. And just be authentic and be real. But I don't like to call people and say, hey, Mike, I'm calling. It's Ryan Dorn. I'm calling <laughs> to check in on you. I feel like that's a waste of time. Bring value to every conversation and every outreach. Right. What are your thoughts yeah. on this? Because this happens all the time to all of us, doesn't it, Mike? Absolutely. And putting those deadlines in, and I, I like how you said, you know, be genuine with those deadlines and, the, and maybe it's a discount or a value add that you're going to give them. Um, but, you know, if you're selling something that let's say it's a bi-monthly or a quarterly or an annual and deadlines, you know, don't, they're, they're pretty loose because there's so much time in between of trying to make some sort of early bird discount or some sort of deadline to incentivize them to get the ball rolling in their company to make sure that they get that budget approved. Um, because sometimes that's all they need is they need to see that Hey, it's due by this Friday. I need to have an answer by Friday. Otherwise, you're going to miss out on something. Right. And you just be careful about turning up the heat too much. When you turn up the heat too much, usually you get burned. Turn up the heat too much on a good steak, you ruin a good steak or whatever. Just be careful about that. You want to be bold, but don't be, you know, brash with folks. And you, But, you know, Barry, I think I know what Barry this is. Um, and Barry, you've been selling for a long time. Just also remember, people buy when they are ready to buy not when you are ready for them to buy. <laughs> um, that's true. You know, so you really have to get ahead of it. And that's why having a pipeline is is so important. So, all right, good thoughts. All right, last question is uh, Kimberly in uh, New York. Now, Mike, this is actually the question that came in. I don't want you to think that, you know, we make these up. She literally says says this. Why are you guys so against texting, prospecting folks and clients? What, are you old or something? <laughs> <laughs> is what she said so um <laughs> we're not we're not old we have enough gray hair to be able we're not old people i'm, well, I'm enough, starting to feel that way <laughs> <laughs> well you don't have to say your age i'm 40 i'm gonna be 49 uh this year and um <laughs> and i know you're close we're, we're... well let's just say i've been vaccinated already <laughs> okay there we go fine fine all right so first okay kimberly thanks for your question and thanks for being real we appreciate it all right I'm not against texting, prospecting clients. I'm not a te against texting clients. I don't think that we've ever said that. What we've been talking about, and then I'll let Mike chime in. What we've been talking about is the appropriate uh, connection points and the appropriateness of connecting via text. Like, for example, if I've never met somebody before, I've never had a conversation with them. I don't have their business card. They don't know me. I don't know them. I just feel like getting a text out of nowhere is like, what? What is that? Now, I know a lot of salespeople disagree with that, but for me, it's just sort of like, what? Who are you? You know, what is this? So I'm not against texting people now, but there's a caveat there. If I meet somebody at a trade show, Mike, and they put yep. their cell phone number on their business card or in their email signature. See, I feel like that's fair game. Like I'm going to drop I, them a quick text, but I can't agree on that first. All right. So yes. Mike, what are your thoughts? That's my thoughts on it. I'm not against it. I just like to be appropriate. 
What do you think, Mike? Yeah, I am not going to do uh, cold calling with text. So if if, just like you said, if I've never met any somebody, don't know who the person is, then I'm not going to send a text. If I have talked to somebody in the past, I am 100% going to cut through the clutter and use the text. If the, if they're not responding to phone calls, if they're not responding to my emails, then absolutely I will use a text to try and get their attention if, like I said, if I have had some sort of contact with them in the past. So Mike, let me run this scenario by you. Okay. Let's just say that I've tried to call you a couple times on the regular phone. I've tried to email you, but I haven't heard back. So what about a text now then that would say, hey, Mike, I tried to text you, or I'm sorry, I tried to email you, I tried to call you and wasn't able to connect, thought I'd drop you a text. I've got a great idea I'd love for you to consider. Do you feel like once you exhaust the other resources or the other opportunities, then texting's okay at that point? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. I mean, and I, you know, if you're a salesperson, you want to be persistent. So that I think that's fair game. Um, if, if you have exhausted everything and Hey, this is kind of the last effort. This is my Hail Mary. Hey, please respond to me. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I would definitely do that. I think a lot of people, a lot of sales reps out there, Mike, they confuse, uh, new clients versus, uh, old clients that we've been working with. I think my clients, I, my current clients, I text them all the time, but I just feel like prospects have to treat them a little bit differently, but there's a lot of sales reps out there that they go right to the jugular. They're like, boom, right to the text. Right. And they say it works, Mike. So I don't think we're old. I think we're just trying to be appropriate to the circumstance and situation. And yeah. Maybe a little bit respectful too to the person. Cause I, I mean, I think text for me is more of a personal thing of, you know, interacting with my family, my friends, uh, that kind of stuff. So when I do get business texts, I'm not a, uh, against them, especially if it's business text of, like you said, people that uh, I've had a long relationship with or people that I know really well that I'm in. But if it's a brand new person that I've never really talked to and I get a text, uh, I'm going to think about it in a different way and go like, wow, this is really kind of uh, kind of infringing on my my personal space and territory. Yeah. Yeah. So I think you've got to do friends what you're going to do. You do you out there. And see what works. Look for repeatable patterns of success. If it works, awesome. If it doesn't work, then get rid of it. You know, don't keep it. Don't keep it in your process. So, all right, Kimberly. So that was kind of a long way to get uh, to the answer to your question. So we don't hate texting. And as far as I'm concerned, I'm not getting old. As far as I'm concerned, my wife just peeked in the door and she with a little sign that says, "You are getting old." <laughs> oh, that's funny. So that's that's uh, that that's cool. Hey, Mike, what's um you know what's going on at Open Look? I know that um. You know, my virtual assistant is uh, with you guys, and she's awesome. What are you guys? Uh, what are you guys working on for awesome. folks? Yeah, so 2021, it seems like we've done a lot, a lot of uh, virtual employees and virtual assistants, uh, people that are doing list building projects, and they're bringing people on full time to do design, to do some social media management. Um, so yeah, things have been really good over here. If anybody is looking for uh, somebody to do some administrative tasks and list building for them, uh, give me a call. That's awesome. All right, Mike, well, I appreciate you and uh, looking forward to uh, uh, seeing you live in person um, here real soon as we get to kind of back on the road and be safe out there, friends, you know, be safe out there. But don't forget, uh, face-to-face meetings, you know, really are back in action. So stay safe, uh, but don't be afraid to get out there and engage uh, with your with your customers. So, all right, Mike, thanks awesome. so much as always. Sure, thanks, appreciate, Ron, appreciate your support it. of the show. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you're the best. 
And friends, that's the show for this month. We sure appreciate you. And I got a special offer for all of you. If you decide to attend the Super Niche Conference, September 14 through 16 in Denver, going to be amazing. Uh, 28 sessions, four keynote speakers, all about niche media, sales training, publishing, all kinds of great stuff, event planning. When you check out over at nichemediaevents.com, nichemediaevents.com, put in the discount code box podcast podcast and that will save $200 $200 off the price of uh, the registration podcast is that promo code over at nichemediaevents.com hey so even though i now own the super niche conference i'm still training like crazy working with about 200 different salespeople every single month and love to work with you as well in a virtual training environment or come to your office live i've got the vaccine i already had covid and the vaccine so i'm double trouble uh, right there. Reach out to me, Ryan at RyanDorn.com. Always to help. Uh, always happy to help all of you. All right. Don't forget, friends, if ad sales was easy, everybody would be doing it. And they're not. So we're either crazy, <laughs> which is totally possible, or we found a career, friends, that will feed our families for a lifetime. All right. Head over to 360adsales.com if you want to uh, hear more about what we do uh, for people just like you, webinars and all kinds of free advice and stuff like that. All right, the next podcast straight ahead, all kinds of advice on new business development. So stick around and stay close for that. All right, friends, we will see you next month. God bless. Get out there and sell something. Bye-bye. <laughs>